Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's the best friends forever. Best friends forever. Fantasy best friends forever. Welcome to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Happy Monday, everybody. Frank Stanfield here, joined with my guy, Matt Modica. At some point, we'll get Greg Sussman today. Speaking of the devil, here he comes. Greg Sussman here. <laughs> Matty Mo, how's the weekend, man? How's everything going? Uh, everything's going good. Uh, Game of Thrones, we're down to one and done now. So, you know, it's sad that it's uh, coming to an end. I know there's a lot of controversy over this or that, but I've enjoyed it for the, for, for the most part. And welcome in, Greg Sussman. How'd you sleep last night, buddy? Oh, for one, huh? What's up? Oh, for one. Oh, uh, oh for one on the week. Oh, one. Yeah. I wish you would just maybe just give me a heads up, Greg. You know, because I always think I'm gonna, I, the thing is, I always think I'm going to be here for it, and then I'm not. That that's the issue. Right. That's on me. I did not sing without you. Naturally, well, if, do, if do you do don't hear start. singing, you know Greg Sussman's not here <laughs> because I'm I'm just not going to do like a solo act without you. I slept. Uh, I, need, I need the bass of your voice, Greg, to sing. I, I don't I, think I, I, do I, I don't myself. think you ever call this bass, but that's okay. Well, whatever it is, um, raspiness. How did, how did I sleep? I, I slept. Uh, I had trouble getting to sleep. I had Thrones on the mind. We'll talk about that in a second. Obviously, I open technically uh, traditionally open our Monday shows. Um, so I had. I guess throws my mind. I was going through all these, I guess, scenarios in my head, but it wasn't really about the show. I think somehow, like, I was involved in the scenarios. <laughs> it was also really hot in my bedroom. So I, once I opened the window, I got some fresh air in there, and I passed it like a. Baby. Well, it was really cold last night, so you had to so open was, that window. It was nice. So, first of all, complaining yes. about the the weather in New York City again. That's I mean, what you do. That's what I have. That's what I do. Um, Friday and Saturday, awesome, awesome weather. Yesterday. 40 degrees and raining? Disgusting. Today? Saturday was like so beautiful. degrees and Saturday raining. was so beautiful, too. What are we doing, man? What is going on right now? Friday and Saturday, I slept with the air conditioner on, Greg, for the first time. My air's not even running in my apartment. And then... It's a joke. Matt Modica, the past you know nights, how much of a joke that is. I slept with the, with the, with the window <laughs> open and nearly froze to death. So that just... Man, this is why people get sick, man. It's like, this weather's crazy right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Saturday was so nice, and then Sunday was so gross, and today is so cold. We're in a sweater. We're in a winter sweater right now. Yeah, I, I had to go back to long sleeves today, too. We're, we're back. We're back. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so last night I was dreaming basically about scenarios, some sort of Game of Thronesy stuff, but like I was involved in it, naturally. That's where my head was, my head was spinning. <laughs> now, what'd you think? What'd you think? How are you feeling this morning? Look, I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it was everything that, you know, they led up to everything that happened and transpired in that episode. You know, with, you know, everything that was going on and earlier in that show. My biggest gripe will always be that George R.R. R. Martin never completed the books. I tweeted out this morning that the last book was published July 12th of 2011. And we've pretty much been waiting for the, you know, this for over eight years. Yeah, so I, I get it. I've been saying all season that it, it feels rushed, um, obviously. And my 
complaint when I two weeks ago when when Danny's lost the dragon and she didn't blow up the Iron Fleet. I'm like, why didn't she just blow fire from Drogon? And then she just did that. I'm like, why didn't you just do it two weeks ago? But nevertheless, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was really mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Like, it was obviously well shot. Like, it was gorgeous. Like, the cinematography was, it was just incredible. Awesome. Like, the, the way that they uh, shot like everything that was going on in the city from and, the like, ground, right? Especially like Arya too. Like the cutting back and forth between Arya and the Hound, I thought was like really well done too. Yeah, a lot of people freaking out about oh, this is the worst season of all time. I think at this point, people are just trying to find anything wrong with the show that they possibly can, which is sad because. You know, we've all invested so much time and energy and emotion into this show. So, you know, like, just enjoy it for what it is at this point. Obviously, we all wish that there were more seasons. I mean, even George R. R. Martin has said that he wished that there was more seasons. I think he actually is a little bit upset about it as well. I mean, but the thing is, to keep a show going for this long, it takes a lot of effort. Not only from the writers, but from all the actors and actresses that are involved. Like, they all have other lives, too. They all want to move on and do other things, so... It kind of feels like we're getting kind of shorthanded here, Greg, some, some uh, shortchanged rather, but uh, hey, if you want more, I guess that's why you read the books, right? Uh, if they come out, when they come out, hopefully. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, just kind of piggybacking off what Matt said regarding the, the books too. You know, people are killing the writers right now for the show, and they do have other things, like they're going to be in charge of Star Wars after this, so they might just want get, to get, get this over with. But they've had to come up with, Wrapping up this entire series, which has so much going on in over the past two years. George R. R. Martin has had like nine years yep. to write it. He's had like as long as he wants, basically. So he has that in his back pocket. He has more time and, and effort to put into this. And obviously, like, I don't want to use the word easier, but it's easier to write than it is to like put all these things together on screen production wise, too. So there are a lot of moving parts. I thought it was really good when I actually thought about it last night. I came in here today. I told you, like, man, I'm actually, like, really getting emotionally invested. So maybe the writing isn't uh, so bad after all. But um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it overall. Uh, but those were those are a lot of the thoughts in my mind. Guys, just stop hating on it. Let, let's, just, let's just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, so I listen, I agree with Matt. They were kind of leading right up to this, you know? And it, is, it wasn't exactly a surprise that... What happened? Like, she became the Mad Queen. We, we knew it was coming. They had telegraphed it, not a bad way, from the beginning of this season. Now, does it take away some of the stuff that had we had seen now for the last seven years where she was, like, had a heart? Yes. But the response to that is she lost everybody, right? Yeah, we were just talking about this down there. She has nothing left. She has nothing. Yeah, she has nothing. nothing. Yeah. And most importantly, the whole basic storyline of Game of Thrones is Danny's struggle not to become her father. Correct. And people advising her not to burn everything to ashes. And Jon Snow and his, you know, his character arc. Those are really the two most essential points of the show and how everything maps out. So my biggest gripe with this season, I'll say real quick, was season one, the last three episodes or the last four episodes are, are one hour and 20 minutes. Season uh, episode one could have been an extra 25 minutes. That could have been episode two right there. And we could have slow walked it a little and made a, made a better buildup. I'll say that. But last night's episode, I thought was really well, well done. I enjoyed it. I thought it was the way it had to go at that point. I liked it. I, I really did. Like I, I hope 
People on Twitter are ablaze about this. Oh, freaking out. Everyone's, again, it's like wrestling fans, Greg. It's like everyone finds something to hate about totally, what happened of course. last night. And I'm usually part of it. At this point, people just want to hate it, which is the saddest part of everything. Uh, but overall, as soon as the episode ended, I felt a little underwhelmed. I was like, all right, I see. It felt like more should have happened, or maybe it was a little bit too predictable. But then, like, Later, as the night went on, I started thinking about things and like where Daenerys started to where she is now. I was like, this is really messed up. I like, and I actually started like feeling some type of way. So, so in, the, in the Battle of Winterfell, the battle, battle of Winterfell, like I was standing up, like palms sweating, the whole deal. I, I didn't have that last night. I wasn't, I guess, worried about anybody I really cared about. I knew John wouldn't die last night. I knew Arya wouldn't die last night. I know you were a little bit nervous about that, but I, nobody I cared about. I guess I don't really care about anybody anymore at this point. <laughs> um, you know. I, I thought that the way Jamie and Cersei went, I thought that was perfect. Everybody was like, kind of like yeah, so bigger and better. She re- refused to leave. She never thought that they would come in, in her mind. And it ended up for Jamie the way he wanted it to end up. The, it's the perfect way. They come into the world together, they leave the world together. That's, yeah, you, it was you, a fitting end, too, and it's not like they, all, they just went down there to die, because if you remember, he was trying to escape, but all of, like the rocks and stuff had piled up, so ultimately, he was trying to do what Tyrion told him to do. He's like, get out of here, go start a life somewhere else, and do whatever, but it didn't, it didn't happen that way. So, yeah, it was just pretty ironic. It was like poetic justice, I guess, you know, come into the world, leave the world together, too. I, I understand that everyone wanted like Cersei to have some kind of fearsome crazy death like it has to be from Arya or Daenerys or something like that but I thought it made sense yeah you know I, I get it it made sense I I wanted somebody to I wanted somebody to get the revenge on Cersei I really did and that was that was the part that annoyed me the most that we didn't get we didn't get that that was taken from us my opinion that's all that was my problem and then like I know the other thing people are killing thrones over today Matt is the white horse at the end for Arya like there's nobody left but Arya and a white horse like I know there's some symbolism there. I didn't really get it, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought that was actually a good ending. Only thing was missing was like a little John Denver take me home country road or something <laughs> like that. But no, look, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought it was kind of cool how Arya sees all the devastation. She survived, you know, everything falling upon her, watching people get burned up. And I'm excited to see how what, what happens this final episode when John has to. You know, basically what it comes down to is John has to take Daenerys out of power. He knows he was wrong now, and he must make that move. He he does, but will he? Like, he you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that he will. I, I don't know. I think he does, and okay. he goes back beyond the wall or something, or starts up the Night's Watch again. But that's the other thing. Like, he could just go back there and just be like, I don't want to deal with this crap. That's I'm, going, what, I'm, going, still, I'm going to hang out with Tormund beyond the wall. It still feels like so much needs to happen, and we only have one episode left. Like, that's probably my biggest issue with everything is, I wish we just had, like, five more episodes this season, or just the normal, like, early, the earlier seasons were, what, all ten episodes? Yeah, like if we just had the normal ten episodes, that would be enough time to really yeah, kind of tell the budget, rest of the story. That budget got blown up with the Battle of Winterfell. Because remember, like the, the earlier battle down on King's Landing, they didn't even show that. You just saw, you just saw Tyrion wake up and he had the axe thing on his face and all that. So, I mean, I, I'm with you, Frank. I'm totally with you. We need more. We need more, Greg. <laughs> all right, Matt. So, so I'm about to order the box set like right after this. I have an so, Amazon gift card. I'm so. Ordering. 
what do, what do we think happens? I'm, I'm going to try to prolong that talk about baseball for another five minutes. But I mean, we probably should. Oh, this is our Game of Thrones time, man. <laughs> we, we only have one more Monday of doing this. That's true. It is only one more. <laughs> so what, what, what do you think happens, Frank, next week? Um, man, it's a great question. Um, there's going to be some kind of, some kind of crazy one-on-one moment between Jon Snow and Daenerys where, like, everything kind of just, like, crumbles. Probably ends up killing her or something. I don't know that he ends up on the Iron Throne. I don't think he wants it. Uh, maybe we get, like, Sansa or, like, Tyrion. Maybe both of them together. Maybe there's just no more Iron Throne left. Like, we won't have to worry about that. They'll just kind of create a new way to rule the kingdoms or something like that. Uh, but I do think Danny goes out. You think, Danny, you think Danny goes out and there no one ends up on the Iron Throne, is your prediction? Yeah, like maybe just like a new way to rule or something like that. Like, let's not, everyone has always been fighting for the Iron Throne as long as we can remember. How about just no more Iron Throne? Something like that. So, see what happens. Matt, your prediction, sir. Uh, I do think Danny uh, ultimately does. I think that's just, you know, I think that's what it's culminated to. Uh, is it John that takes her out or Arya? I don't think John or Arya sit on the Iron Throne. I'm kind of with Frank. Maybe it's a Sansa or, you know, it's going to be somebody I think we, you know, that everybody expected John or Danny at, at the end, which I thought was way too predictable for the show. It can't end that way. I hope it doesn't end that way. And uh, so, yeah, somebody different. And I, I don't see Bran because he's the three-yard raven now. So A lot of people are saying today that Bran would end up with the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. Bran, Bran's not doing that. Bran's yeah, not I don't, ruling. A lot of people thought that Bran was controlling the horse, too. Like, he warged into the horse and brought it there. I had not in. seen that. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. That's actually a good one. That, right. would be, so that would answer a lot of questions. That would be cool. That would be cool. What do you got, Greg? I want ultimate. I want more brand next week. Like, I, like he's... That, that's another thing, too, is yeah. we don't really know anything about him. Like, like, that's where it comes into, like, all right, read the books, and you can hopefully get some backstory about him, because we don't really know anything. I, like, we've had a few, like, major scenes where, like, he looks into the past and stuff, but, like... We, we still don't to, know the extent of his power. We like, haven't gotten it feels there. Like we should know more. Basically, since he left the Three Eyed Raven, the original Three Eyed Ravens that we saw, we haven't, we haven't seen anything from him. We he hasn't done anything. Yeah. Well, he warned into a few I'm ravens curious. like during the Battle of Winter. It did nothing. <laughs> I'm curious to see if they reveal the conversation that he had in Episode Two by the fire with Tyrion, and I think that was a crucial. I don't know that, that it was. was. Moment. I don't know that it was. Like, I think like, I, I'm with you, Matt. Like I want to know more about the conversation, but I feel like we're past it, and then we're not going back. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get anything. Tyrion, about that. Tyrion's got to die, right? He's got to. I think so. I don't know how Danny hasn't killed him yet. Like, you did a great. Yeah, we talked about, about this today too. We about this like, all he does is like, oh, well, sorry, I messed up again. I was wrong. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> how many how many do overs does this guy get? It's ridiculous. He was kind of like that guy's Florio. Yeah, exactly. Like our Florio. He just kept <laughs> screwing up over and over and over again. We just kept him on the show. <laughs> Like this guy, it is it is wild that the last remaining Lannister is Tyrion, unless unless Bran is pregnant with another Lannister. Ooh, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that, but I did. I did realize that Tyrion was the last one too. Maybe, maybe you know who knows. I'd like to see uh, yeah, more of Gendry. I, I think there's a chance Arya just says f this and goes and hangs out with Gendry in Storm's End. <laughs> like you know yeah, it's like oh I've seen enough like death and destruction Honestly, for my life I'm, I'm good. good I'm, I'm good I'm a person I don't want to be about death anymore I want to be about the living I want to go hang out with my boyfriend in Storm's End makes sense that's what I thought originally yeah I, after reading like book three I thought it would be Jenry and Arya ruling me too that Arya wants no part of it yeah for now 
Matt, how long did it take you to read these books? Because yeah, I want to get into you, it. You, yeah, you don't I don't like capacity. to read, man. I just, that's I the thing like, is, I don't I like to read. I want to read an audio book of it. That's what I, that's what I need, Matt. I need like a, an audio recording because like, I just don't like to read. That's what it comes down to. What I would recommend is just buy, if you have an iPad, you buy it on that. You read it at night in bed. And that was the best way to do it. They are very long. It's not like, you know, something you bang out in a couple of days. At least not for me. I, I spread it yeah. out. <laughs> I tried to read the first book, Greg, and I got about halfway through. Proud of you. Mind you, halfway through this book is like 350, 400 pages. Yeah. And I'm not a reader. Like, that, was, that was already the most that I've already read, like, ever mm-hmm. in one book. So I'm going to try again, man. <laughs> I got to try again because I need more. I, I, I don't, like... This happens with well, you'll, you'll get the you'll get, you'll get the spinoff. You'll get the spinoff. Like, like I go on Reddit, I read everything that I need to know about it. Like I, I just get so emotionally invested that like I need more detail right now. And, and show as good as a job that they are doing because I think they're they're doing the best with what they have. I need more. That's why I got to read the book. Feather, Aria and the Hound would have been. Aria and the Hound would have been fun. Yeah, uh, Tormund Brand too. All right, we're done with Thrones till next week. Should be fun. When we come back, how did you do on the waiver wire? We'll let you know how you should have done next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person in every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. Full-time fantasy. There's a man named Telvin Smith who says, I don't think I want to play this year. I'm going to take a break. I mean, look, I wish the guy well. I do. I wish the guy well, and I hope he gets whatever help he needs, okay? But I just look at this, and I say, we can't start having all players do this without warning. It's just not good for business. Well, at the same time, an NFL team could cut these guys anytime they want. So how do you provide against that? Yes, it always works in the favor of the employer. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Fantasy best friends forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That's Frank Stample. I'm Greg Sussman. Hanging out. What song is this? It sounds like something you. I see what's generic, man. Which is fine. Show me what you want. Down. Let's jump in, Greggy. Hey. Big weekend of fantasy baseball. Lots of fab bidding last night as well. 
Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start on the main event, right? That's, that's where we typically start. The main event, that's where it's Frank and Matt in it together. How much guys are going for um, the players that people are in on the most. And we'll see what Matt and Frank both thought of the bids. The highest price bid, it looks like this week in the main event, was for John Means. Really big week in Waiver Wire. Uh, John Means went for $115. Back at mid-23, so somebody overspent a little bit. John Means, you like the buy Matt? I get it. I just really, and even Andrew Kashner's pitched very well over the last month. It's been multiple starts for him as well. I just really don't see myself being in the Baltimore Orioles starting pitching business. A shout out to Frank and Gre- uh, for Frank and his teammate. Greg, for, uh, Greg is true. Greg, two G's. For, yes, for uh, being sitting on the throne in that league right now, sitting on the Iron Throne. I dropped like twenty points this week in that one. Is it first? Yeah, this guy, huh? <laughs> Long season though, Greg. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not here to uh, count my chickens yet. But it's it's going well so far, and, and and it's all going on without Aaron Judge too. So it makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, but hopefully he can get healthy and then um, see where we pick it up from there. But uh, ultimately, you know, drafting Cody Bellinger, I think a lot of people who have Bellinger are uh, are doing pretty well right now in, in their respective leagues. And honestly, kind of lucked into Bellinger. It's not really someone. He wasn't really an active target of mine. To me, he was just best hitter available in the third round. I knew I wanted to go a hitter at that point, and, and he was the best one available. Honestly, I wanted Anthony Rendon more, but he didn't make it to me, so I ended up with Bellinger, and that's why things are sitting pretty right now. I do have to agree with Matt. I mean, I like John Means, and you know, I had a small bid on him. I had multiple small bids on him uh, across my leagues this weekend, but I think the runner-up bid of 23 is probably closer to what he should go for or what he should be valued at. I could see going as high as Maybe like a $40, 40-something dollar bid if you really needed starting pitching. And he has pitched well, uh, but ultimately still does pitch in Camden. Uh, doesn't get a ton of swings and misses. Doesn't get a ton of strikeouts either. And, and the wins could be hard to come by pitching for Baltimore. So I thought the $115 bid was a little bit of an overspend. But if you really need starting pitching, um, the person who picked up John Means dropped Matt Shoemaker. So it seems like they might have had some injuries on their team. So... I guess that's why they want it to be a little bit more aggressive. What the hell is Shoemaker still doing on their team? Yeah, the that's, that's what it comes down to. That's the better question. <laughs> yeah, we like, we, um, we like John Means last week. He was part of the conversation to p- pick up potentially for the weekend and, and for next week. So he's fine. Uh, way too much money, it sounds like, went, John Means went for. But overall, no issue with the player itself. Speaking of guys like John Means, yes, last week you brought up Lucas Giolito as somebody you liked for his two-start week and going forward, Matt. Yesterday he was fantastic once again against Toronto. We'll get more into that and what happened yesterday with Venture next hour. But Lucas Giolito, what did you see yesterday, Matt? And can it continue? Uh, look, can it continue? I'm optimistic. I don't think he's going to be lights out like he's been this week you also got to take into the consideration the competition that he faced as i've been saying all season toronto blue jays make mortal pitches look Im- Im- immortal i mean it, it's it really is amazing how like you you get a bump up from that uh, i really do um I, i'm encouraged you know he had a start early in the week and, you know, he really just stuck to two pitches. And he was asked after the game, how come, you know, you just stuck to throwing two pitches? And he said, they didn't make adjustments, so why should I? So he's obviously learning on the mound. And when something's working, he sticks to it. He, he has more than two pitches that he can play around with. So it's, it's, it's a positive sign here. Yeah, and I want to piggyback off that a little bit, too, because uh, I mentioned that when we spoke about Gilito earlier on in the week, what he did against the Indians, he was... 
basically fastball changeup combination. He only threw four breaking pitches in that start, and then yesterday uh, goes out and throws 22 sliders. So, again, showing us that he does have that capability to throw the slider and throw it effectively. Again, I mean, seven innings pitched, one earned run, eight strikeouts. What I love most here is one walk. As good as he was pitching all season long, getting more swings and misses, getting more strikeouts, he was still struggling with walks. He had walks per nine over four. So to see only one walk yesterday and seven innings pitched, it was against the Toronto Blue Jays. But you know, since he's returned from injury, Greg, his last three starts, it's been the Indians, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox. A 1.88 ERA with 23 strikeouts and 19 and a third innings pitched. I'm not ready to say, like, this is Lucas Giolito's breakout for sure. Sure. But there are a lot of positive signs here. Yeah, you want it to be early on him because now everyone's starting to notice. We, we talked about it last week that he had a couple of good starts in a row. And you're like, hmm, maybe we ignore what he did the first two starts. We got blown up. Maybe things are going in the right direction. And I know you don't want to put your hammer down and say, it's coming, it's here. Right now, he's pitching pretty well. Yeah, and you see that with the, the swinging strike rate, his first pitch strike percentage, both careers, career highs right now. And too. you got to know that confidence is in there, too. When a young player finally puts it together, and he builds some confidence. It's not everything, but it certainly helps players like Lucas Yeah, Giolito. and when you hear what Matt said about, about what Giolito said after the game, why'd you only use two pitches? Uh, to They're hear working. a quote like that tells me that he's starting to mature a little bit more as a pitcher. Um, again, look, prospects, don't fi- they don't all figure it out right away. I mean, we've, we've seen this before. Sometimes it takes a few years. Uh, sometimes it takes a change of scenery. Good thing, I mean, good thing the White Sox haven't given up on him. I, I don't think that they would have because they're still super young. They're not close to competing and a lot yet, invested and they with gave him. up so much to get him. So, you know, good job by the White Sox sticking by their guy, and, and he's starting put, to put it all together right now. It takes a few years sometimes for these prospects, Greg. Yeah, it, it yeah, certainly what, does. What was really yeah, – the opportunity was there when uh, he, had the, he had a really good start earlier in the year, and then he got injured, and when he was uh, on, on the I.L., I got him for for pretty much nothing, so it was worth a look just to see. Cause uh, and right now it's like, like Frank said, right now it's panned out. But as I mentioned, the competition and we'll see going forward. But it's something to be excited about. Shout out to my pops, man. Me and him had a uh, we had a, the tying bid for Lucas Giolito in our home league, three dollar bid out of a hundred uh, in the middle of the week last week, and he actually won the tiebreaker. So good for you, Dad. There you go. <laughs> you get you get Giolito, and I don't. Must be nice. Good for you. Good for you. Good and Giolito goes up against Toronto again this week, Greg. So you can feel good about starting him. I do. So it's funny because I have Aaron Sanchez and Giolito on the same team. And they went against each other yesterday. The Aaron Sanchez start was wild because he loved those five runs, but he struck out 11 guys. 11 guys, yeah. So I believe they'll face each other later this week again. So mm-hmm. that'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. Other big-time pickups this week. A couple of mediocre players. Uh, and Tommy LaStella and Derek Diedrich both went in the low 60s. Back a bit of both was 33 bucks. Replacing the level players, Matt, that you probably you just need to fill some holes. That's what these teams did. Yeah, look, Tommy LaStella uh, got to bat in front of Mike Trout and lead off last yeah. week. He had, he had the uh, double dong game. Look, I mean, I don't know if I would have spent 60 on LaStella. I would have, you know, th- I had maybe a couple of very small conditional bids on him. And Dietrich's got the home runs. He's, you know, been playing, you know, uh, in, in that platoon role. He's really at 10 on the year. I, the guy I, I, I went after, though, was Mac Williamson. Okay. How, now, Frank, you're the Mac Williamson guy. You and Matt together are Mac Williamson. What are you so in about him, Matt? Well, I was in on him last season, and then, unfortunately, the uh, concussion and everything just derailed it, shut it down. 
He was a guy that, you know, the mid-30 rounds of the draft and hold, like the draft champions they have at the NFBC, I was taking every time just thinking he'd get an opportunity at some point because the Giants' outfield was just horrible. And the Giants, I believe, DFA'd him, but nobody picked him up, and he went to the minors, and now he's back. He hit, he hit four homers in 24 hours last week, three in the minors in one game, and then one in Colorado. Yeah, and so Matt picked him up for $21 out of a, a 1000 Well, we both have very uh, a lot less than 1000 by now, uh, which is going to be interesting. That I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, Matt. Like, How do you kind of uh, finagle your way around fab bidding at this point? Because Matt has $153 left for the season. I have 179 so we're in a similar boat. He got the, uh, the winning bid of Mac Williamson at $21. The backup bid uh, was actually me at $8, so... I didn't bid more than $17 on any players right. this week. Mm-hmm. I, and the, the main guy that I ended up winning was Wilmer Flores because he's hot right now. Uh, so I won for 17 and the runner-up was 11. But uh, that was basically my max. Like I wasn't going higher than 17 for any players. And that's pretty much how I had to play it out from, from here on out. Maybe mm-hmm. even less than that because I only have $179 for the rest of the season, Greg. And I got to make it last. You got to make it last. Is those $0 bids or no? I don't no think zero. so, Modica, right? Nope. That's a negative. No, no $0 bids. No zero dollars I gotta be. I gotta be strategic about this. I gotta make it last. You really need Carter Keeboom to come up. Again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keeboom, we're rooting for you, kid. But wait, time out. He's, he's, you know, he's got 110 points. He's in first place. Now he's, you know, he's got Aaron Judge is hurt. I think he's in a good spot here. I, I think so too. I appreciate that, Matt. I, I get the seal of approval from Maddie Modi. That's big, man. How are you doing the overall? Uh, last I checked, I was like 45th or something like that. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. Hopefully it could creep up a little bit more, make things interesting. But, uh, yeah, so far so good for now. Awesome. Wilmer Flores was my top bid last night at, at 17 bucks. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not the most exciting thing of all time. <laughs> I knew Wilmer would be good soon enough. He's hot, man. I think it's like the last two weeks he's betting over 400. He's he my guy, man. A lot of people like him coming into the season. <laughs> he's getting an opportunity to play every day. It's not like Arizona's loaded with a bunch of talent. So I think as long as he performs, he'll get – the opportunity to play every day, and you know what? If he gives me a little bit of pop, decent batting average. I mean, that's all I'm asking from the guy. He's, I think he's, he's my corner infielder right now. So I don't, I don't need him to be one of my best players. No, I think either. that's really important though. With, with right here, just to just to stop it, getting guys like this, like uh, Wilma Flores and stuff that we thought might be better at the beginning of the season, but their first three weeks or, or month wasn't good. But now the last two weeks, they're kind of the player we thought. It dictates that, you know, it's not early, but it's far from late, and it's still kind of early in, certain, in some senses. So, you know, you guys, you, if, if they're out there that you like and you see them making improvements, you get them for, what, you got them for $17 or something. Mac Williams seems a guy I kind of like, but he didn't have a job, and then he started hitting in the minors, and who, who else is going to hit home runs in San Francisco? I don't know. So for 20 bucks, that might turn out to be something good, and if it doesn't, it was $20. Yeah, and I actually drafted Mac Williamson in this league. It was either round 29, round 30. So, um, you know, Matt and myself, they're, 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 we saw something in Mac Williamson that we liked. He was crushing it in the minors last year. Um, and he's always kind of had power potential, just never really had a fair shake at playing time. And it looks like hopefully now he'll get it with the Giants. Matt, I wanted to throw this back your way. I had the same bid on Wilmer Flores and Albert Pujols. And then today I woke up and I saw that I got, uh, well, last night when I saw that I got Wilmer, I was kind of kicking myself because Albert Pujols is hot right now. And who would you rather have, basically? Would you rather have Wilmer Flores or, or Albert Pujols right now? 
I think I'd rather have Wilma Flores in here as well going forward. He's got, you know, he'll have multiple eligibility for you and stuff. I, I don't know if Pujols can hold up. I, I do think the Diamondbacks really want to give him a shot and a, and a real look, and they're in position to do that. So, look, I, I don't see Pujols at the end of the year batting better than 230, you know, in, in that range. Maybe 240 caps it out. And he'll have some nice times, you know, nice weeks here and there. I don't think the body can hold up. All right. I told you like the Flores yeah, body. Yeah, I was yeah. just, you know, Pools is hot right now. And, oh, I mean, maybe I'm letting my emotion get a little bit more into it because Pools is just a player that I've always liked. You know, you love to watch the guy, and he's, he's hot again. He had like a multi-home run game in the past week, too. So it's just fun to watch Pools, and I thought that I would regret doing that. But, all right, calms, calms me down a little bit. It's not that I dislike Wilmer Flores. Again, I had the same... I had the same bit on both of those guys, but Wolves is hot. If you're in a deeper league and you need a corner infielder, he's out there. The other Davis is hot. <laughs> the other player that you were really in on, I'm going to get to the closures in a moment, but the other player that you were really in on everywhere this week, Frank, was Nick Pavetta. And you had texted Florio and I both like, Nick Pavetta, Nick Pavetta, Nick Pavetta. Vinny Velasquez goes on the DL, um, which is a shame. I, I feel terrible. Well, we did have a funeral. funeral for Vince Velasquez's fantasy value last week. So we did. He might have heard that, and, and he was so emotionally scarred, Greg, he had to go on the IL. So, sorry, Vince Velasquez, rest in peace, <laughs> your fantasy value. Rest in power, Vince. Rest in power. All right, so because of that, you expect Nick Pavetta to come back up, join, rejoin the rotation, and, well, perform as you kind of expected before the season began. What makes you start believing in Pavetta again? It's not that I expect him to necessarily do what everyone expected, but a lot of people had this guy pegged as a breakout as a top 40 starting pitcher, and to be able to pick him up off the waiver wire for $8 out of 1000 Greg, like, there wasn't even a backup bid. This is just me taking a stab at someone who I still believe does have upside. He has a lot, He's shown me a lot of flashes of John Gray. It's something I've talked about before. Is he ever able going to really be able to put it all together? The same way that we want John Gray to be something, but he's never really been able to put it all together. I do have my concerns when it comes to Pavetta, but in a 15-team mixed league, I still do think he has upside. I think he has strikeout upside. Is he definitely going to get a job back in the rotation? I'm not so sure. They had Cole Irvin pitch yesterday, and he pitched seven innings of one-run ball, so we'll see what happens here, but I just thought that there was too much upside there to kind of just let it sit out on the waiver wire, and for $8 out of 1000 Greg, I mean... That's nothing. Whatever. So yeah. if I, you know, I'll take a shot on the upside here. Look, if he's not called up in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably just end up cutting him again. Sure. But for $8, that's a stab I'm willing to take. All right, Nick Pavetta. Uh, Danny Mo, were you in on the bidding at all for Pavetta, uh, I, like across well, the landscape? I was, uh, I had, he was my conditional bid. I didn't think I was getting Mac Williamson for $21. So I got him. And Cedric Mullins is the other guy I put in for us. I do think he's going to come up in, in, in a little bit. And offer a nice uh, little combo here. He's played better in the minors. So I definitely think that Pavetta, look, it's worth it. Like you said, if he's not up in a couple of weeks, then, uh, then you can just cut him. I probably had him at like $16 or it, it was definitely over 10 So if I didn't get one of those two guys, I would have got Pavetta. Yeah, and so far in the minors since he's been down, he's made four starts. He's got a 3.60 ERA. He's got a 1.08 whip. And he has, let's see here, he's got 34 strikeouts and 25 innings pitched. So he's doing what you'd expect him to do in the minors. We'll see if he bounces back, but for $8, that's fine. Like, if you're in a deeper league and 
you know, you just have someone that's wasting away on the bench and you need starting pitching at some point, then it's just, it's just another one of those stash candidates. Absolutely. For $8, it costs you nothing. In a main event where it's, you have a lot of depth, you know, there's a lot of roster spots, it's a movie you can make. In a 12-team league, you probably, you probably can't do it there. Matt, before we hit the break, one player that you got in the main event was Cedric Mullins. Why are you in on Cedric Mullins, man? Yeah, no, I think he's, you know, he's making some uh, improvements in the minors. I don't see how he doesn't come back up on this team. He's got speed. He's got some pop. And, you know, I don't see the Orioles. They got Dominic Smith Jr. has been very good. Uh, Dwight, excuse me. I got the Met guy. My uh, Dwight Smith Jr. has been very good. Uh, I have him on a team with Picaro. I think you're going to see Mullins there. You know, they have to take a look and see. This team is not going to be good. So he's a player that I, I think has value going forward. Yeah, Cedric Mullins was someone that I drafted as well in a few 15-teamers, Greg. Got off to that brutal start. But again, it's the, the Orioles are, are searching to see what they have right now, to see if they have any uh, mainstays for the long term, uh, some of these young players. So I think I agree with Matt. I think he's going to get an opportunity to play again. He should be back sooner rather than later. Austin Hayes just returned from injury in the minors as well, so keep an eye on him. When we come back, the closer situation as well as what do we do with the top starter on the board? We'll let you know next. The Fantasy Sports Network is ready to take you out to the ballgame. Our experts and analysts are following the boys of summer through all 162 games of the 2019 MLB season with the best fantasy baseball analysis in the industry. Catch the latest news and notes every day to help you win your fantasy leagues and your DFS tournaments. We'll always want you back listening and watching the Fantasy Sports Network on the FNTSY radio app and the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, where we're root, root, rooting for your fantasy baseball team. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. In this league. If someone wanted to tell me that Civil War was better than Endgame, I'd be hard to argue that. I really would. Because Civil War is incredible. It's a a highly loved comic book series that they did. And, I mean, they've even gone to, like, a Civil War 2. It was a great movie. It was like Avengers. What happens in Civil War 2? I don't know. I don't know. I'm still finishing House of M right now. What happens in House of M? Is Magneto okay? He's great. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, only at rotoexperts.com. Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network Let's see here Okay You want to make it rain like Hawaii? We should talk about that That was nuts 
by the way. It was. And it was going on during, like, the way that I found out was that I just got, like, a Bleacher Report video sent to my phone in the middle of Game of Thrones. So you want to hear something? I wanted to watch the end of the game, but I, I couldn't. So you want to hear something really funny? So Judy was coming home. I was with my mom. She was with her mom. So she was coming home and was going to be home at, like, 10 to 9. And I knew she was going to just, like, walk into the bedroom with the lights off. I knew I was going to have to have a conversation when she walked in. There's no way I could just avoid that. So I was like, you know what? Let me just watch the end of the game. And then I'll start Game of Thrones afterwards. Like, I'll just ignore my phone. No big deal. I, I, and I do what Matt does, right? Matt starts a little bit later. Um, and I, I didn't mind starting, let's say, 10, 15 minutes later. She has to tell me all this, all this stuff she's telling me. Then, it's, then, of course, Frank. So I'm sitting here. My TV's right in front of me. She's sitting where you are, to my left. So like, she's talking to me about like wedding stuff. And I'm, I'm obviously going like this. My face is going left to right, left to right constantly. Because it's now the fourth quarter. This game's tied and it's close. And she just starts getting really mad. She's like, why is this more stupid basketball game more important? Oh, what about Thrones? And I'm just like, I'd love to watch Thrones, but I need to finish this basketball game first. And we're having this conversation. And she's, so, she's getting so angry. I didn't really think it was like a serious conversation. It's like, we're having a conversation. He goes, I don't care how serious it is. You're clearly not paying attention to anything I'm saying. I, I know you've been in this situation before. And I'm like, I am. I'm going to pay attention to this Game 7 basketball game as well. It's, it's, it's Game 7. Yeah. And Pretty big deal. She's just and we like, do talk about the NBA on the NBA I, I can't Twitch use that excuse so. anymore. Well, right. I am. So she goes, shut you it can't off. can't use it anymore? She goes, shut it off. I'm not shutting it off. I'll pause it. Like, I'm not shutting it off. So... After Butler drives and hits the layup with eight seconds left or four seconds left, I paused it. I finished the conversation, which takes like a half hour. It's now 9.55 when she storms into the bedroom. I press play. I watch the Kawhi shot. I'm like, oh, my God. This is crazy. So I go in there and I make sure like, I'm not in trouble there. That takes like 15 minutes. She's like, oh, my God. Like, how long is th-? So all is good. It's like 10.15 now. Oh, how long is Thrones tonight? I go, like, 90 minutes. She goes, 90 minutes? I'm like, yeah. She's, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, you laying down the law. So that's why. You, Greg, you was up late last that's night. That's why you guys thought I went to bed at, like, 1140 when well, I Well, you normally do. Agreed. So I, so I send out the, the text. We, we normally do our fab bidding, me, you, and Florio together after late at night after yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones. I said, well, uh, Greg's probably sleeping already. Boom. Greg with the text back. Here he is. He's ready to go. Now we know why. It was literally at like 11.40 where I sent the text back. Like, oh, what are you guys doing, doing awake? I'm like, man, I just finished Thrones. So that's why from like 11.40 to, to 12.10, I, I was in the mix. And then you got down to like relievers I had never heard of. So I stopped answering. <laughs> Speaking of relievers that people have never heard of before. Or they have heard of them. They matter. Steve Ciszek and uh, Chris Martin. We're the two big relievers that went off the board this week. Martin, obviously, in Texas, where Sean, where, uh, Sean Kelly went on the IL last week. Jose Leclerc hasn't gotten his job back yet. Chris Martin's done a nice job in Texas. Pedro Strope goes on the, on the IL for the Cubs. And we think that Steve Ciszek's probably the favorite there, although Joe Madden has obviously not officially named a closer. In the main event, Chris Martin goes for 37. Steve Ciszek goes for 13. You got Ciszek for 13. The backup bid on Martin was 13. Was that also you? Yes. So 13 was the number you put. Martin goes for significantly more at 37. Matt, what did you, uh, you think of both bids, and what do you think of both relievers? 
Oh, uh, look, Martin has done a good job. He did a good job last year. I think it's the clerk's job, and I think he's going to get it back pretty soon. I think they really – look, they signed him, but they could always move him. We saw the Padres do it last season uh, with uh, Brad Hand after getting a contract. So I think that's a, a real possibility there. And this, the, the Shisek bid, I, I think that's, that's a perfect bid that Frank did and won. Uh, Carl Edwards has pitched better since coming up. I think he's a possible option as well. And we'll see. If uh, Shisek uh, gets another opportunity and closes it, it could be a fantastic uh, bid by Frank. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with, with, with really either one. I don't know if I would have spent 30-something on Martin, but I, w- I would have put 2 or 3% on him. Yeah, again, 13 bucks is nothing in the grand scheme I, I was really surprised to get yeah. him, actually. I was surprised to get Steve Ciszek for only $13. I know that there's a lot of mouths there with the Chicago Cubs right now. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, another name we haven't even mentioned yet, has pitched really well so far this season. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, it could be a mix and match here, but... You know, Madden said coming into the year that he didn't have a closer either, and for the most part, it seems like it was it was Pedro Strope. And then last night, we see Steve Ciszek pick up the save against the Milwaukee Brewers. So uh, I don't have huge expectations. I do think there's a little bit more staying power for someone like Ciszek. For example, if he converts the next five saves for them, maybe he just ends up being the closer for the rest of the season. I mean, crazier things have happened in fantasy baseball. And I do agree with Matt that I think at some point, Jose LeClerc does get his job back. So... I think it's more of a shorter-term thing for Chris Martin. Um, and for those wondering about Brandon Morrow, we kind of spoke about him a little bit on Friday with Florio. There hasn't been any update on him. I'd be surprised if we see him uh, before the second half of the season. So uh, that's basically what's going on with the Cubs. They could be in on the Craig Kimbrell bidding as well. I think you said Kimbrell, like Senza. Kimbrell, whatever. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell uh, bidding uh, once the MLB draft is over. That's early June. But that remains to be seen. I mean, the Braves are, are probably going to be in, in on that as well. I know the Tampa Bay Rays have kept contact with him, or at least that's what I've read. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think there might be a little bit more staying power with a guy like C-Sheck over Chris Martin. Yeah, I, I don't really feel confident in either of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I just think like, he has closing experience, and if he performs, why wouldn't they but he hasn't, to go to him? He hasn't exactly performed. No, no, no. I mean, he's never been a lights-out reliever ever. by any means. No. Yeah. But, I mean, for whatever reason this year, I mean, if he, can, if he converts five in a row... Who's to say that John Madden isn't just like, all right, he's my closer. He's performing well. John Madden won't. Joe Madden might. All right, I'm all over the place with this. <laughs> um, my head is uh, in a funk because of uh, Game of Thrones. Ultimately, I don't, I don't think either of these situations are probably long-term. Um, but for $13, well worth the bids, of course. And I dropped Swarzak, and I would employ everyone, like, everyone else oh. can drop Swarzak. It's your boy! Speaking of Swarzak, I picked oh, yes. up the string pretty much everywhere. I like that, too. You mentioned that I late on Friday, didn't you, Hunter Strickland? Yeah, I like I like Hunter Strickland as a as a sneaky ad right now, especially if you're playing deeper leagues. You need saves. Um, he's I believe he's going to resume throwing today, and he's eligible to come off the IL in late May. He was transferred to the 60 day IL, but remember that happened like at the end of March. So 60 days is the end of May, uh, which will be when he's eligible. And remember, early on in the season, the reason everyone liked him is because he didn't really have much competition, and that's basically been the case for Seattle. Swarzak hasn't been great. Uh, Rowan Elias, Elias, I think he's more of like a long reliever, maybe a multi-inning guy. Maybe they just use him against lefties. I don't know that he's like a legit closer. So if Hunter Strickland comes back and, and, and he's healthy, I think he's the closer, at least maybe until the trade deadline if they try to move him. So it, it seems like he's expected back late May, Greg. I like that move, Matt. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, he's got he's to throw and have no setbacks. But I figured for a couple of dollars... 
it's it's worth it. See if I can hold it till then. Okay. The um, big pitching, I guess, prospect, if you will, that was coming off the board this weekend in leagues was Corbin Martin. With Kyle McHugh uh, sent to the bullpen, Martin got the first shot at replacing him. In his debut, he was very, very good. And given the Houston pedigree, given uh, how good they are this year, people are rightfully so interested in Corbin Martin. He went for $21 in our 15-team GDD out of 100. It's a lot. So that's 20%. 20%. In your oh. own leagues, he went for $10 and $7 out of 100. 12-team leagues, so a little bit different. You're going to be more aggressive in the 15-teamers. 7 to 10 bucks, so 7 to 10% um, in the 12-team leagues. Both Frank and Matt, I'll start with you, Frank. How good do you think Corbin Martin can be? How good are the peripherals? Will he stay in the rotation? Obviously, Forrest Whitley kind of looms, as does Josh James, if he ever gets an opportunity in the rotation. What do you think of the Corbin Martin pickup pick up by those who picked him up? I like it. I mean, this is a guy that's been very successful in the minor leagues throughout his career. Uh, he's pitched 179 innings in the minors across all different levels, rookie ball, A ball, high A ball, double A, uh, triple A this year. And he has 193 strikeouts and 179 innings pitched. 2.31 ERA, 0.99 whip. Uh, the strikeout stuff is legit. If you watched him yesterday, basically used uh, fastball, changeup, curveball, um, you know, mid, mid to high 90s with the fastball as well. He's their fifth-ranked prospect, according to MLB.com. I think there's a lot to like here, Greg, and the Astros uh, have done very well in terms of developing starting pitchers. They were able to, to take Garrett Cole from the Pirates and figure him out. Uh, even Verlander, as old as he's been, uh, as old as he is, he comes over and, and has a career year last year. This is a guy that's had a storied career, and the Houston Astros find a way to make him even better. So I think that Corbin Martin's in a good spot right now. I don't have a problem with like the 8 to 10% uh, range if he pitches well this week. Um, next week, he's probably going to go for even more in the NFBC. He wasn't available last night. Uh, but overall, I like him. And like we say with a lot of prospects, Greg, as long as he performs, I think he'll stay in the rotation, although there is a lot of competition behind him. There's definitely a competition behind him. Matt, how good do you believe he could be? Uh, like a lot of things Frank said, I'll just piggyback on that. He's he's been he's pitched really well in the minor leagues. Uh he was one of their, you know, top pitching prospects. So this isn't uh, you know, really like a surprise, especially that Whitley wasn't performing up to standards, but I think the the plan with Whitley what all along was never to call him up before the uh, first week of June. I think they have a specific plan. For Whitley. And the reasons I was never in on Colin McHugh and Brad Peacock, even though they were reasonably priced, was I thought that, you know, they would be out of the rotation at some point. Whitley's already lost it. Peacock, I think, is probably best for them in a multi-inning role. We've seen what he can do in relief. And I think Whitley will take that job. The question here is, can Martin, if Martin performs, like Frank said, this Saturday, it's going to be uh, some insane bidding come Sunday night in the NFBC. And I think he'll keep off. His job is to hold off Josh James, who may be destined for a uh, for a re- relief role this year. So, yeah. No, I mean, it's, he's got the Red Sox on, I believe, Saturday. So that's going to be must-see TV for weekend bidders. Yeah, at Boston, too. So it's a really tough spot to be in for, for Corbin Martin. If I did pick him up, I would probably take a wait-and-see approach this week. I know a lot of people of probably spent money, a decent amount of money on him to get him. But, again, at Boston, that's, that's a pretty legit test. 
Uh, and I wouldn't feel bad about him performing well if he's on my bench because it's kind of like a prove-it-to-me start. So if he proves that he can do it against Boston, then moving forward after that, you know that this is a guy that you could get in your lineup. But ultimately, I think I would I would try to keep him out for this start. Right? Just against Boston, you're going to want to take the wait and see. I, I just don't think one start, certainly in a Roto League, is, is worth it. Like, let's see what he can become. If you are in a 12-team, uh, if, if you're in a 12-team head-to-head league, obviously you have to make a decision. It's a little bit different. If you're in a daily transaction league, obviously make the decision closer when your matchup is this weekend. Um, if you have to make the decision today, I'm benching him. It's just not worth it, I think. Agreed. Uh, as President Trump said, Matt, nobody's hotter than the Boston Red Sox since they came to visit. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, this week, we got one, two, three, four, five, six teams with seven games. Orioles, Tigers, Brewers, Twins, Phillies, and Pirates. And then a couple of teams with fives, including the Red Sox, Rockies, Dodgers, Marlins, Giants, and Rays. Matt, the two start pitchers that you like are who? Uh, I mean, I, it's a, it's definitely a it's matchup based, and that was kind of the reasons why I like Giolito coming into last week. Uh, Martin Perez was somebody. I mean, I like Perez even in draft season, but was somebody that you really had to be in on, and. Uh, Trent Thornton of the Toronto Blue Jays, believe it or not, has a terrific uh, two-step lined up for him. Uh, Kyle Gibson has a really good two-step. I don't know if I, I mean, I guess they're calling two steps. This is great. I love it. And it's always been Maddie most. I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a Dave Matthews reference. One more kind of guy that I really don't like to endorse, but for this week. In a 15 team, and Ronaldo Lopez is set up for success. I don't know if he can execute it, but he's set up for success. Yeah, a lot of people like Ronaldo Lopez going into this week. That was the one name that I've had that is out there in most leagues that could be very, very beneficial. The same to matchups that Giolito just had last week. And look what Giolito did. So he has Cleveland and Toronto. Very interesting that they play the same two teams in series in back to back weeks. You actually see that um, more. More often now, I would say, Frank, because um, for whatever reason, when you're not in division, you kind of play like you just get that matchup out of the way. It's like the White Sox and Blue Jays this is the only time they're playing the season. Yeah. So there's just, you, you, I don't know why, but you see it a lot. Yeah, they were talking about it on the Yankees broadcast too, how uh, coming up, they, they're either going to be done with their season long series against like the Royals or some other American League Central team. And they said, Oh, how, how it's not fair because, you know, the Yankees haven't been 100% all season long. And yeah. Their entire series is going to be over against that team for, for the season. So uh, it is what it is. The scheduling has been a little bit weird. Um, let's see what happens. Matt, what about Mike Fires, right? So he's coming off the no-hitter. Uh, he's at Seattle, an offense that has cooled down a lot. Um, not a terribly, you know, it's actually a favorable place to pitch in in Seattle. And then at Detroit. So pretty good matchups here, but it's Mike Fires. So <laughs> what do we do with this? Yeah, and the big thing is I never like starting a pitcher off of like a no-hitter or a perfect game. Mm. They want to throw in a ton of pitches. Not that it really matters with, with, with fires and stuff. The matchups are there for him. He's just Mr. Inconsistent. He's had good matchups before, and he hasn't performed. I, I can see it in a 15, in a 12. I, I mean, I don't think I'm doing it in, in, in a 12. In a 15, you can make the argument to do it, but. You know what happens. I mean, look, I, I besmirched his name last week, and he went out and threw a no-hitter. So maybe you should besmirch him again for those people <laughs> who are starting Mike Fires this week. Matt, normally something we'll say about starting pitchers here uh, regarding fantasy baseball is if you can't start them on their two-star week, 
and they're probably droppable. And I've been getting a lot of questions about specifically one starting pitcher who does have two starts this week, but they are really, really tough matchups. At Boston, at Philly, for Kyle Freeland. Is this the end for Kyle Freeland? I, I, I would imagine you don't want to start him. Is he droppable? I have him in two spots this year because he was re- just ridiculously cheap. He's on my bench at 15-teamers. Uh, I'm not cutting him in a 15-teamer. I think he's a guy that can give you innings. And it's crazy. He's not at cores, and I'm not starting him and all that. But Boston and Philadelphia are beyond terrifying, so I'm not going to do it. And, and- I'll give you one guy who I'm going to start. He's got a really tough matchup this week. But even if you didn't start him, if you had that luxury where you didn't have to, Brandon Woodruff is somebody, regardless of what happens this week, I'd be in on buying for the rest of the season. Yeah, and we spoke about Woodruff last week uh, as well, Greg. And you see the ownership percentage on CBS all the way up to 88%. I remember looking at that last week before you know most people knew he was a two-star pitcher. It was below 70%. So it's, mm-hmm. it's climbed uh, quite a bit here. And there's a lot of good signs, man. The underlying number is really good for Brandon Woodruff. I think he's doing a lot uh, of what people expected out of Corbin Burns. Except he's been a little bit more successful. Watch out for Corbin Burns in that bullpen too. I think he can get a role where he can close out some games. He's got, you know, he's got, he's got some good stuff. When we come back, Chris Venture join the program, and I'll read my uh, favorite tweet of the year. Matt, you might want to stick around for that one. Just let you know now. <laughs> Have a great time, Matt. Follow him at the Athletic at CTM Baseball. Hour number two. It's next.